finish it up. Shadow Dragon takes aim. 16th to go. It's Rocket Can responding on the outside in Shadow Dragon. They come to the finish. It's Bill Mott. It's Junior Alvarado again. It's Rocket Can to win the Holy Bull by a length in the end. That was a call from Pete Aiello from Saturday's Holy Bull, where Rocket Can stamped himself as one of the favorites down in Florida on the road to the Kentucky Derby. This, of course, is inside the Kentucky Derby. Of course, we couldn't be doing this podcast, Aaron Rodgers and myself, Kevin Kirstein, without our friends over at Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve has over 200 flavor notes in every sip, which makes it a spectacle for the senses. Please enjoy responsibly. Darren, I think a couple of questions were answered down in Florida this weekend. Good tab on Rocket Can uh, last week on Thursday, and hope you had a flush Twin Spires account after that one. I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah that was a very nice performance. Um, you know, I was really impressed uh, with Tappet Trice on the undercard, and the race out in California came back fast. So it, uh, yeah, the, the, the Holy bull, uh, rocket can I thought was outstanding, you know, breaking from post eight, which down at Gulfstream park going into that first turn, it is not desirable. He was four wide into the turn raced three wide throughout. And, um, he just kept going. He's got a little fight in him. And, um, I was surprised he went off as the three to one third choice. Yeah. Which is that's when the rubber band came off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> at that point. Um, and yeah, it was a nice, uh, very nice victory, uh, going a mile on a 16th and, and this horse, you know, considering how wide he went, I would have to thank the, you know, sheets such as, you know, the rag is in or the thoroughgraph numbers are going to come back very good. Um, much better than other speed figures just because of how wide he went. But uh, I would expect him to show up in a race like the, the Fountain of Youth, continue on in the series down there, but a very nice victory uh, under Junior Alvarado for trainer uh, Bill Mott. And he went off at, uh, uh, he, he ended up going off as the, the five to two second choice. But I, I know when I put my bet in, I don't you, think I did moved. Did you change you odds? Nah, I'm not, I'm not one of those computer automated wagering uh, <laughs> systems that, that was able to knock it down that much, but uh, was happy to take the 720 on the win end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think two big storylines are coming out of the Holy Bull. One was the poor effort from the favorite Cyclone Mischief, who mm-hmm. uh, just didn't really run a step. And then, uh, and then the... The comparison, I guess, on the day of, you know, both earlier in the card of Tappet Trice, who we'll talk about in a minute, plus the uh, the race in California, where it was much faster than this race. And so, you know, again, depending on what, you know, speed figures you're looking at or whatnot, it's, you know, didn't come back to be the fastest of races. And so that'll be a, another key player moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Rocket Can, his best style of running probably suited him to be that wide. I feel like, you know, he's got that tappet on the bottom side. He's into mischief out of, t- of a tappet mare. So, you know, we've talked about how tappets can be quirky. So I think that was his best doing of, of junior Alvarado, keeping him to the outside, whether, you know, it's, it'll be tough in a race like the Derby, you know, to get three sixteenths of a mile more in the Derby. But, um, you know, he seems to have that running style where he would run better outside of horses than inside. Yeah, keeping them in the clear on the outside is always ideal. You know, you're able to uh, have clear running. You don't 
get dirt kicked in your face. You're not having to worry about traffic troubles. I mean, look, he had a perfect position despite being three wide down the backstretch. Um, yeah, I'm with you. What, what is behind this group? You know, shadow dragon, um, coming off a of poor effort, uh, in the, uh, sleepy hollow at, at, at off a long layoff, mind you, uh, the winner Arctic arrogance is a, a key player, probably the number one player up in the Northeast right now. Um, you know, West coast cowboy legacy Isle, Il Miracolo. I mean, I'm just not convinced what this group is going to produce cyclone mischief, man. You know, one of the reasons why I liked rocket can, um, was you knew cyclone mischief was going to be heavily bet. And he had a monster performance in the race before, and he was coming back in about four weeks time that much of a jump forward sometimes signals the old adage, the bounce. Was it a bounce? Um, you know, Tyler Gaffleone, I said, uh, I read afterwards said, uh, he was just empty, uh, was making noise. Um, you know, do they go back to square one with this horse? I, I, I don't know what happened, but, um, he did not show up at all. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Dale Roman's talk prior to the race, and he talked about this horse being sort of the old-school mentality horse where he does everything that he wants him to do while training, so that's why he wasn't necessarily worried about him on short rest, and he wasn't necessarily worried about him on short rest moving forward out of this race. He talked about, you know, could run in the Fountain of Youth plus the Florida Derby plus the Kentucky Derby, so we'll have to see what they come back on the drawing board with him. But, yeah, you're right, you know, he was... uh, yeah, there was it was no good no matter uh, how you how we made it sound. What was really good was four races prior to the Holy Bull mm-hmm. and uh, and Tappet Trice who stormed clear to an eight length allowance victory for trainer Todd Pletcher and uh, you know showed that maiden win at Aqueduct was no joke. Who he dug in and and beat Slip Mahoney. Who Slip Mahoney came back and ran a very fast figure to break his maiden after that. Um, he showed he's the real deal for the Todd Pletcher camp and definitely the favorite in the fountain of youth moving forward. Well, hats off to you. You, you said the race goes through tap and trice. Uh, I thought classic car wash, uh, who was going to, um, add a little pace pressure in there. Uh, he scratched out of the race. Looks like he's going to show up at Tampa Bay. I thought Chesterkin might be the better of the two, thinking that uh, Tappet Trice would take all the money. It was actually Chesterkin that ended up going off as the four to five favorite. And Tappet Trice did exactly what he did in his race prior. He walked out of the starting gate. Now, we all talked about in the last podcast what a beautiful stride Tappet Trice has. And he he has that, and he showed it again. He walked out of the starting gate. I mean, walked. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's that's the thing. You want to show some forward, you know, the ability to get out of the gate in American dirt racing, and he just walked out of there. But he walked out. He was able to get in the clear on the outside, and we just saw him engulf this field. I mean, what a beautiful looking stride. He was the wow horse of the day last Saturday for me. Um, you knew he was nice, but to overcome two poor breaks and to win 
convincingly. Just imagine what this horse might do when Todd Pletcher figures out how to get this horse out of the gate. Yeah, and it's not like he's not working him from the gate. I've seen videos of the horse work from the gate. He's probably schooling at the gate. And, you know, Todd schools his horses there very often. So it's, uh, you know, he's probably taking after his... Uh, his old father and, and doing things his own way when he wants to do it. And that's the interesting thing that I've tried to look at, you know, progeny of Tappet, you know, letting them do what they want to do. So say this horse now, you know, breaks well out of the gate is he sort of lost focus because he's so used to just walking out of the gate and performing so well. But, uh, again, that stride, I think it's hard to, I mean, you remember when, you know, I think back to American Pharaoh in 2015, where his stride was like, one and a half lengths to every other horse's one. And, you know, I'm not trying to compare him to American Pharaoh or anything like that, but talking about the length of that stride. I mean, when you watch the videotape of his two prior starts and mind you, they're both one turn races, Yeah, one turn races. I think this horse is only going to get better as the distances get longer. And, um, he's just got a beautiful way of going with a tremendous reach. So you're and, saying he was worth the 1.3 million? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I can see what they saw. Yeah, yes, right. I can see. You, why, I can see blood, why they bought 1.3 million. Yeah. yeah, you need to be a bloodstock agent. Well, I was the underbidder then. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, me too. Uh, and then, uh, you know, talking about one-turn races in the car, General Jim, who uh, won the Swale Stakes, going seven eighths. He earned a solid speed figure for his one-length victory over Super Chow, the tiring Super Chow on the lead, making his comeback start in there. Um, I thought that was a, a pretty solid effort for Shug McGahey. And, you know, he's still a little bit of question marks. Will the horse handle the two-turn stretch out? But I thought he did what he needed to do to win the Swale and uh, probably give his trainer another shot of trying two turns on dirt in the future. Yeah, I agree. I think they might give it another shot. I mean, Donald Adam of Cortland farm, he likes to, you know, get involved, uh, you know, in the road to the Derby, uh, the horse, you know, has performed well on turf. They're clearly trying dirt. The backup in distance was a nice confidence builder. Maybe we see him show up again in the fountain of youth. Yeah, definitely an option there. And, uh, let's talk about, let's move up to the West coast. Where uh, wow, it was an interesting rendition out there of the four horse Bob Lewis, where Newgate ended up uh, battling. Maybe uh, it was it came back a fast race. It was it was tough to dissect on all ends of this race. Arabian Lion set the pace, ended up fading to fourth in there. But uh, it, we learned some stuff. We, yeah, we learned. Well, here's here's what, what, what did you here's learn? what I've I'll, learned. I'll tell you what I learned, and then you you first. Well, first of all, the pace was slow by California standards. When you're going 23 and four, 47 and three, that's a slow pace. Arabian lion is not right. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, mentally or whatever, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. I, I, I would fully expect this horse is now off the trail knowing the past performances of the, of the barn. Um, Worcester you know, needs to go back to the maidens, uh, break that maiden, get the confidence builder. Newgate was, was dynamite under Frankie DeTore. And uh, by reading, you know, several comments and listening to some interviews, um, it sounds as if they've, they've let Frankie, you know, change this horse from being a prominent 
um, and forwardly positioned Colt to more relaxed one run off the pace and the horses uh, responded. It was a game victory, a nice neck victory, but I have to ask myself, I know it came back fast, but man, hard to figure running second is really hard to figure. Yeah. <laughs> at 12 to one in this field, when you look at his past performance line, I just didn't see the jump up effort that, uh, that, that hard to figure, uh, put forth. I mean, he really, um, sp- sprung forward. He's a hard spun Colt, a Mr. Greeley mayor on the bottom suggests one turn to me. Um, so I don't know what the quality of this group of four, I, I guess where I'm going with this, there are much better horses in that barn, uh, that were not in this race. And I think that's the biggest factor that I learned out of this race. And so, uh, visually watching it, you know, it, it was just four horses. So you're not going to see this sort of scenario shape up anywhere outside of California right now on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And so you, you try and you think of, you know, what would this horse do against 19 other rivals in the Kentucky Derby or even, you know, a fuller field, uh, with a faster pace and, uh, you know, thinking that the pace or thinking, you know, maybe this isn't going to come back as fast as I think. And then it's showing up being a fast race. I was surprised when it, it came back fast. It, I learned that I think the horses right now, and we see this year in and year out, it's not nothing new. The horses in California right now, speed figure wise are much, much faster than what we're dealing with in the Midwest and in, in Florida, um, on the road to the Kentucky Derby stakes races. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just they're just faster out there right now. That's not to say the horses in the Midwest and Florida and maybe New York can catch up to those horses. That's what we see year in and year out. But right now those horses are faster in California. I would say the path of the Bob hope to the sham to the Robert Lewis is not the typical path of the big boys out in the West coast. Just not, just not now can't penalize this horse for taking that path. He's improved. He's gotten better. We said that going into the last podcast. This is a horse that's improving. And that was another step forward. Uh, is he my derby horse or no, not today, yeah. not today, but it's not to say this horse can't continue to progress and uh, continue to get better. Frankie Dettori said we had a good pace in the race. We came back in a good time today. We moved sharper and we beat some good horses. He was a little slow with his lead changes, but he ran well. So uh, that's what Frankie had to say about that. He was looking to get himself a derby victory before he retires at the end of this year. The most notable retirement, I think, in thoroughbred racing history. It's like the year of Frankie, it seems like. Everywhere he goes, it's Frankie retiring. Hey, Frankie, you're retiring this year. And so uh, it'd be cool to see a flying dismount in the Kentucky Derby. I'd love for him to get a mount. I mean, I'm a big Frankie DeTore fan. The last time we saw him here at Churchill Downs, I believe, was uh, the flying dismount aboard Enable after riding down the uh, the crown of the course in the Breeders' Cup turf. That was uh, uh, a great moment, a great uh, a great mare that we got to see compete. Um, one of the best I think we've seen um, in a number of years. Frankie DeTore, what a career he's had. He's it's- always been fun to watch. Um, Remember the Magnificent Seven? Mm-hmm. Um, early, man, well, that might be 30 years ago. 
It had to be early to mid nineties when he swept the seven. I could have still been in diapers. You might have been in diapers, yeah. but anyway, Frankie Dettori's a, a, a tremendous rider, taking that victory lap of uh, the the swan song of his career, uh, wintering out west, looking for a derby horse, um, and I'd love to see him on one. Yeah, it'd be really cool. He's been going. He went to Florida. Uh, I saw him with his agent Ron Anderson down some photos down in Florida with Frankie. And so it'd be cool to see, uh, you know, you never know leading up to the Kentucky Derby, what could happen. Uh, what else we got there? And we got, you know, a trio of races this weekend that we'll, uh, we'll preview on Thursday. I don't think that we're going to see at this time, the Kentucky Derby winner in either of those races, just looking at some of the probables, the Sam Davis, the withers that was rescheduled from last Saturday and the El Camino Real Derby. But it's a, you know, a talking point. Nonetheless, it's uh it's an important step for both New York and Florida down at Tampa to lead into the championship series on the road to the Kentucky Derby. That's my takeaway is this is the wind down of the, the wind down of what we call the prep season, the foundation building races that, uh, you know, give you a, a glimpse. And once we get to that championship series, which begins with the risen star, um, a week from Saturday on February the 18th, that's when this three-year-old picture comes into much sharper focus. Right now, you're establishing your position on the trail. You're establishing position of how good you are to go a mile, say maybe a mile and a 16th. But that extra 16th of a mile going a mile and eighth, and let alone three 16ths of a mile going a mile and a quarter, that's what really starts to separate folks. So, yeah, these are going to be some leaderboard building uh, type of uh, races, I think coming up this weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but are there any uh, wow horses that knock my socks off? No, I don't think so. Not this weekend, not this coming weekend. No, next weekend, maybe uh, here are the early probables for the risen star. While we're at it, curly Jack, who won the Iroquois determinately, who uh, won the, uh, that nice allowance race down there was third in the gun rudder. Jung Frau for Bill Mott, a uh, single ruler who broke his maiden down there for Keith Sormo, Sun Thunder for Kenny McPeak, Tappet's Conquest for Brad Cox, you may have one other on there, uh, two fills, and uh, it sounds like Banishing, who has been well-touted, is likely to go in an allowance race on the Risen Star program, and Steve Aspison will probably have one or two um, on there as well. Well, and we'll learn a lot more because that race is a mile and eighth. It's the first time we're going to see Horses outside of the Remsen, outside of the Remsen early in the two-year-old season, um, see these horses go nine furlongs, and um, we'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot. Yeah, the leaderboard, <clears throat> Forte remains atop with 40 points. Instant Coffee second with 32. Rocket Can moves into third with 20. Curly Jack fourth with 17. Blazing Sevens at 16, and that's your top five. So, <clears throat> again, the prep season basically establishes the leaderboard. Now it's all going to change. The points get larger. The distances get longer. The competition gets stiffer. And uh, we'll start to round out the field uh, and start comprising those positions for the Kentucky Derby, which is uh, now 12 and a half weeks away. Time is a tick, and it feels like derby season here beneath the Twin Spires for those listening. It's, uh, it's time. We also have the Derby Future Wager coming out this week. Uh, we'll also be releasing the 
early triple crown nominations that's coming soon. And uh, I know they're still looking over some paperwork and stuff like that, uh, finishing that up. So we should be releasing that anytime now, just for all the horses that are officially nominated. Great time. Good times here at Churchill Downs. And we'll talk again on Thursday, preview all the action for the weekend. And uh, until then, keep your uh, Woodford Reserve glasses filled and your Twin Spires account even fuller. Oh, and, and, oh. and don't forget, if you'd like to review, and you know, if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your platform, put in a review, put in a five-star review for our four-star performance. We appreciate your efforts. It's a great line on that. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Inside the Kentucky Derby. Ready,